But I'd like to let you know that our reading this morning is in the 31st Psalm, Psalm 31, beginning in verse 14, to the end of the psalm. There it is. Thank you. And uh, feel free to read along in a Bible in the pew or one you brought along or just be blessed by listening. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. Let them not be put to shame, O Lord, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them be silent in Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak arrogantly against the righteous with pride and contempt. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you. Before the sons of men, you hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. As for me, I shall say in my alarm, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications, which I cried to you. O oh, love the Lord, all you his godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. Father God, I am so thankful that we have a sure hope. I know now whom I believeth, and that's the, that's the, the hymn which is, which is once again so true. Uh, Lord, I pray that we will not fear the, the craziness of this world, the craziness of this country, the craziness of our town, and, and Lord, the, 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 the sometimes the craziness in our own families. Lord, that we will, uh, we will cling to you because you are the rock today, tomorrow, and when we finally see you face to face. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this opportunity to worship you in music, in the reading of your word, and the preaching of the same. Thank you for our pastor, Steve, who loves you, loves your word, and loves us. I thank you for having us here. Let us have ears to hear, and that we uh, take to heart um, what is being preached. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all this Lord's Day. It's good to be together. I was, um, didn't always talk about political things, but Jeff in his prayer mentioned the craziness of the world. And this last week, something quite amazing happened up in Washington, D.C. Uh, they elected a Speaker of the House who's a born-again Christian. It just astounds me. Uh, I was thinking, I was thinking that morning, that day, a verse in Habakkuk that says, In wrath remember mercy. We as a country deserve to be judged, but there's a lot of mercy. I mean, this guy comes up, he comes up to the, you know, the little stand there in the Speaker's house, you know, the, and, and he has his Bible with him. 
and it looked like it had been used. I thought, this is pretty good. And he talked, I heard him talk later about how, um, you know, he believes in having a biblical worldview. And he says, well, if you want to know what I think, read the Bible. I think this is pretty amazing. The other time he was with some, a big group outside and, 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 and he said, hey, we need a prayer. And this guy from, a congressman from East Tennessee stood up and prayed. And so it's just encouraging. So pray for, his name is Mike Johnson, this new speaker, but pray because um, he, he loves the Lord, but there's a lot of anti-God forces in D.C. And I would suggest to you, too, a lot of demons that we can't see that are trying to do the devil's work there. The other thing I'll say briefly is I was, uh, there's a house just down the street, a few houses down. I just noticed this morning, but the front yard is, is a cemetery. I mean, you know, facsimile, like a cemetery. It had the fence and the gravestones and the, you know, all the little, oh, I can't believe this. And then last night I was walking by about 10, just having a short little prayer outside, and I heard a party. And I don't think they were having a party about how to be saved from death to life. You know, I don't think so. And so I just, I mean, you understand. We, Halloween is is is, if I can use the word glorified, is exalted much more than ever before when I was young. I mean, so many parties, and you go down the street, and the decorations, and here this cemetery in the front yard, but, but that's why we're here, okay? We, you know, the world's not going to act like they should act. They're going to do things that are wrong and evil and unrighteous, but we're here to talk about the truth, and that's what we're going to do. The Psalms talk extensively about how you to respond to God. Are you to love him and learn from him and trust him and obey him and do much, much more than that? They also talk about what God does for you, that he wants to bless you, that he wants to give to you, that, that he wants to help you live the life that God wants you to live. And these two things are vitally important, that you understand what God is doing for you, that you understand what you're to do for God. And, and the Psalms just talk about it a lot. And today we're looking at Psalm 62, one of the best psalms that talks about what God does for you and what, you do to do, what you're to do for him. And I want to first summarize the main points in Psalm 62, then we'll go through it verse by verse. It says that God is, quote, my salvation, my rock, my stronghold, my hope, my glory, my strength, my refuge. And when you hear these things, you realize that David has some enemies, and we are going to see that. We'll talk a little bit about that. And, and I want to talk about these enemies. I want to talk about David's problems, and then, of course, we'll get to the answers, what God tells us the answers in his word. And it's so applicable, so important for us. Let's go then to Psalm 62, and we're first then going to talk about these enemies. We're going to jump to verses 3 and 4, then we'll go back through the rest of the psalm. Psalm 62, 3-4. says, How long will you assail a man that you may murder him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? They've counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly they, inwardly they curse. So David has these enemies, these bad people, these wicked people, and they're coming after David. They are assailing him. They're assaulting him. They really want to kill him. That's what they want to do. We see this word they here, which means it's plural. There's more than one enemy, and they're conspiring together. They're counseling together then about what they should do, how they can assist, topple him, bring him down, thrust him from his high position, remove him 
from his position. That's what they want to do. It says they bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse, which means they're deceptive. They flatter. They have deceptive speech. And you can't trust them. They're insincere. And it's important. Just a little lesson here for us is, is just no, you can't always trust what you hear. Don't always believe what you hear, especially if you don't know the people. I mean, this is so important. We should not and must not be naive. And hopefully we have friends that we can trust, but watch what you hear. Just don't believe everything that you hear. It says that David's enemy is like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. It means like it's going to fall. And, you know, what is this saying to us? This is an important point here. It means that the enemies aren't that strong. They're weaker than we realize. Sometimes we look at our enemies and they look so strong. They're not. I love the verse. It's, it's 1 Samuel 17, 26. And, and David is out there. And you know the story of David and Goliath and the battle, big battles coming. And there's David out there, little young David, was 17 years old or so. And, and there's big Goliath. And he says this, and I've never forgotten this. I've known that, I've memorized this for years. It says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the, little, of the living God? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He knew that God was much stronger. These enemies were nothing. That's why he went out there. He wasn't really afraid. He says, man, I can beat this guy. That is God because he's going to beat him through me. It's so important. That, another verse similar is the First John 4, 4 verse, which I've stated many times. It says, it says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And we so easily can become afraid. Much, much, much greater is he who is in the world. In fact, infinitely greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. It is it's so important to remember these things. I think of 1 Peter 5, 8 says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. This is saying the devil only has a mouth. He's got a bark, but he doesn't have a bite. You've heard that. You know, like a dog, a bark but no bite. And so he really can't hurt you. And he can deceive you, he can tempt you, he can do that, but he can't really hurt you. And the reason we say this is because the devil has already been defeated by Jesus Christ, by Christ's death on the cross, by Christ's resurrection from the dead. And you can overcome the devil too by believing that Jesus paid for your sins. You believe in him. And, and, and he has. He's defeated the devil. He's defeated sin and death and hell. That's what God has done. Revelation chapter 2 and 3 talks a lot about being an overcomer. And, and you can be an overcomer as a Christian. This is what God wants for your life, you to be consistently an overcomer as you go through day by day. You can be an overcomer because you know then that Christ, through his work in the Spirit, then has overcome the enemy too. And so you need to live like a winner. You need to live like a champion because that's who you are through Christ. You know, you talk about sports, and oftentimes you'll, you know, a, a team will, will say this. They'll convey this. They're acting like winners. They're not acting like losers. And in fact, if you're thinking like you're a loser in some sports team, you're not going to win. You've got to have that attitude. But this is what's most important, this spiritual Christian attitude. Hey, we are winners. This, this verse here is, is powerful. I'm going to read it slowly. There's so much in here. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Isn't that great? That's powerful. And, and it really, really is true, and I don't, I don't think most of us realize this, that God has worked in our lives, and there's a certain character that he's given to us through the years, and you go someplace, 
And I can't help but think that a lot of people, just by your demeanor, just by your spirit, just by how you talk, can tell, you know, that person's probably one of those Christians. You haven't even talked about Christ, but your life conveys it, displays it. And that's a good thing. That's a powerful thing. And so know that. Be aware of that, that God wants you just to be shining, your light to be, his light to be shining in and through you. Okay, now let's go back to, six, two, back to verse 1. We're going to continue through here verse by verse. Verse 1. My soul waits in silence for God. Only from him is my salvation. It's a good way to sum up the theme of this whole psalm here. The word soul, of course, refers to your heart, your spirit, your innermost being. And it's what's most important, your soul. You all know that in our culture there's so much attention given to the body, whether you go to some store, health store, food store, nutrition store, the clothing. There's so many things for the body. And, and it says in 1 Timothy 4 that the body is of a little importance, just a little. has a little value. But what's most important is the soul. You must know this. It's so important. That's why our goal here uh, at church on Sunday morning in the teaching part is to feed your soul, is to encourage your soul, to strengthen your soul. And, and think about this. I mean, again, I, mean, I do my exercises, but what's most important, i got to feed my soul. And so I'm here on Sunday morning, but you're going through the week. Are you feeding your soul with truth that God gives you? Feed your soul. That's what you need. And set up your own, whatever, your own plans, morning or noon or after, whatever you do. God will lead you, but that's so important. Feed your soul. And so David's body may have been in danger, but God wanted him to know that his soul was safe. His soul was secure. And, of course, David God protected David too physically. I mean, because you think about it. You know, he lived to 70 years of age, right? That was it. And, and he didn't die. You know, maybe he was injured. Never read about that. He, he kept going. Turn, turn to, to Romans 8. You know these verses, but, man, these are classic. There, there's, there's some verses, you know, to say some verses are better than others. Well, yeah, I sort of like some better than others. But Romans 8, the last few verses... Start verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? You think about verse 35. Have you gone through all those things? None of us have. Not like that. No. But Paul did. And it's because he knew the love of Christ. He goes on. For your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things to present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Powerful verses. You ever get afraid? Go to these verses. This is so so important. Like that song, I know whom I have believed. I know who I have believed. Well, the words, back to Psalm 62. My soul waits in silence for God only. My, from him is my salvation. It, some of your versions might have that word wait in italic, which means it's not in the Hebrew. I looked, it's not there. So you don't see this phrase there, okay? It's not in the original Hebrew, but, but it's implied. And the whole point is that God is the answer. And as a Christian, you're always to remember this, that only God then can truly help you. Only God then can solve your problems. Only God then can give you the victory. That's the point. That's the whole thrust of the psalm here. It's easier to trust in yourself 
It's easy to trust in other people. It's easy to trust in the philosophies of the world. It's easy to trust in medicine. I need to take some pills. It's easy to do that. And we need to be careful. In fact, just a little, I watched a podcast yesterday, and it got me a little bit upset. But it's talking about this, psych, this person. She works with kids and studied this stuff for the last 20 years, and she says, you just can't believe how in schools today, every school, pretty much every school's got a psychologist. And so when some troubled kid comes in, you know how they're thinking? Well, does this kid need some kind of medicine? Some, some kind of pill? You, you can't believe how in the last 30 years they've been pushing medicines, medicines to these young kids, and they're there. This kid's got some problem. And, and maybe there's some rare situation. I wouldn't doubt that. But you know what? I believe the primary problem is parents have been training them right. A little bit too wild because the parents should have you know, applied the rod to the back end a little bit more. That was the problem, you see. Give them a pill. And you, you can't believe this. I, I'm, I'm convinced that this has happened the last 30 years. Our men in this country, our young men in this country have been dumbed down because of this. And, and I, think, I think I read this. I, I, it's, maybe I'm wrong. But I thought they said there's 80 different pills that they can give kids. I mean, it's just huge, this business, and it hurts us. I, I say that because some of you here are maybe parents or grandparents and great-grandparents, and we need to pray. We need to pray for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and talk to our children and grandchildren and in some ways, in a good way, warn them. I mean that. We should be open. We should be feel free to share with them what we know is true even about these things. But the point is we're talking spiritually speaking. And the point is it's easy to, again, trust in yourself or people or things of the world. But God wants you to wait on him. God wants you to look to him. God wants you to trust him. Psalm 27, you know the verse, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for him. And the whole word wait means trust, but it's a trusting for the future. I mean, you're trusting now, but God's got to come through, and you never want to get ahead of God, okay? You want to be right where he is at. And so that's, that's important as you're walking through life with the Lord. There are times when he's saying, wait. Just don't rush ahead. Just wait. And sometimes we can be very impulsive in the things we want to do or the things we want to say. And be careful and need to understand, is God telling me to wait on him? And if you're not sure, then I'd wait. If you're not sure, I'd wait. So God, God, will, God will help you there. And the result of waiting here is, is, is salvation in this context. And, and salvation means you've, you've been rescued. You've been delivered. And there's four things. I, I always say this. I'll mention this again. I already mentioned it just a few minutes ago. As a Christian, in terms of our salvation, we've been, we've been delivered from sin, and the result of sin, which is death, been delivered from hell, and delivered from the devil. All this. You go to John 8, it talks about, hey, the unbelievers are children of the devil. You're not a child of the devil anymore. You're a child of God, okay? Four things. Sin, hell, death, and the devil. Always, always remember that. And the Christian life then, as we go through, is a matter of experiencing this victory, of day-to-day -day experiencing this victory, this salvation that God gave you that day that you were born again, that day that you were saved. You're, you're a child of God. And God then is always trying to help you to experience this victory. He's trying to help you then be one who is safe and strong as a Christian. And there's two dynamics here when I, when I talk about experiencing your salvation. And the one is what you'd call the, the um, well, let's call, say it offense and defense. You know, in the sports teams, you've got the offense and defense always. 
And so on one hand, you're trying to do what is right. On the other hand, you're trying to be protected from what is wrong. That's the idea. And so as Christians, this is what it is. You want to do what's right. And God helps you. This salvation victory helps you. Then I'm going to do what's right. But you also got to be protected from the evil one. And God's got to do both. So that's, that's what we're saying here in this whole process, what God is trying to do for you. He wants you to be protected in that way. And this one verse, and I've shared, I, I just love this verse. 2 Timothy 4, 18, this relates to God protecting us. It says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Isn't that wonderful? Psalm 28, I think it's verse 7, sums it up very well. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. The Lord is my strength to do what is right and my shield to protect me from what is wrong. That's it. The Lord is my strength and my shield my heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Back to verse 62, verse 2. He only is my rock, my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. Again, we see the emphasis on God alone. You know the verse in Luke 10 to 42. It says, only one thing is necessary. This is Jesus talking to Mary there at his feet. Only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. What are you saying? The only thing that's really necessary in life is God himself. But what this means for you, the simple application is we're talking about you have God the Father, you have Jesus Christ the Son, you've got the Holy Spirit. And you need to think about that. This could be the main thing you remember this whole message here. That's powerful. I mean, again, I mentioned like last week, most religions have this God, you know, some God of theirs, like Allah. No, we have the true God, the Father, we have the true Son, Jesus Christ, and we have the Holy Spirit, and each one of them are important in our lives, our daily living. So think about that. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. And sometimes you're praying to the Father. Sometimes you're praying to Christ. Sometimes you're looking to the Spirit to comfort you, to give you grace, to help you understand the Word, all kinds of different things that we should probably look at sometime more closely. But the point is this. It's summed up in, in Psalm 23.1. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Think about that. So many things we want in life, the Lord is, is really all we need. And three words then are used here to... Describe what God is for you. And I'm going to repeat these a few more times. It says, he only is my rock, my salvation, my stronghold. And I, and I introduce this time by saying we need to understand who God is, what God is for us. And here he's my rock, my, my uh, salvation, and my stronghold. That's who he is. So God, who is your father then, he is one who is your savior. He is one who is your strength, and therefore he is your rock. He is your salvation. He is your stronghold. The word rock, of course, refers to a rocky wall or cliff. And a rocky wall or cliff, you've all seen small rocks and big rocks. They're, they're, they're strong. They're solid. They're immovable. They're permanent. You can't move them. You can't, they don't change. I assume that some of you have been out to the Rocky Mountains or some other place. There's big mountains. You look, those, wow, those are pretty impressive. Can't move those. I mean, it had a lot of dynamite you could or something or whatever. But the, the idea, this, the symbolism is clear. Boy, they are strong. You're not moving those. And here it says, God is your rock. God is your rock. And when you depend on God, then spiritually speaking, you won't be moved. You won't be moved. You'll be safe. You'll be secure because he is your strength, your rock. The word salvation is repeated. And therefore, it means it's important. Okay, repetition means really, really important in salvation, and it means you'll be delivered, you'll be rescued. 
from danger, from evil people, from devilish schemes. That's what we understand. He is our salvation. And so there, there's all kinds of applications. I'm just going, going through this briefly, but again, to be delivered from all kinds of things. For stronghold means a secure height, okay? It means um, a defensive and safe position, also translated as a fortress. I assume you've all seen castles. Maybe you've been to a castle. My wife and I, it was, 12, uh, it was 2012, we were with my son in Scotland. We went to a castle south of Aberdeen where he lived. Called, there's a place called Stonehaven. Get the idea? Stonehaven. And so here's this, there's a castle. It's called Dunatar. And it's out there on this rock cliff, this you know, 160 feet in the air. You had to climb up to get to this castle to go inside. Impressive. Impressive. So God is your stronghold. He is your castle. He is your refuge in that way. That's what we're saying here. And so know this. Another way to define this is in the New Testament. Many places it says that you as a believer are in Christ. You know, and if you think about, let's, let's, in terms of military, let's say you think about being, I'm in a tank. Well, I should be pretty safe. I'm in a tank. You know, or even the fact, hey, you go home, you're in your house, you feel more safe there. You're in Christ. That, that is a really good thought about how you are spiritually strong because you are in Christ, and therefore you're not in danger. As the old song says, safe and secure from all alarms. Turn to Psalm 18. Many, many, many psalms have these same words in them. This is, this is such a common theme in the psalms. Psalm 18, David is in trouble. The first few verses really is, is it's the introduction, but it's really the summary of, of what happens, okay? He, he summarizes. That's, that's, that's where he's at here. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and am saved from my enemies. You see those words repeated. Great verses. And then it goes on. And those next few verses are classic in terms of he's calling out to God and how God comes from heaven. You've got to read them. The whole, it's a classic psalm. The whole thing is, is, is a wonderful picture of, of God's love for us and his strength for us. And, of course, the result then of God being your rock, of God being your stronghold, you won't be shaken. You won't be afraid. You, you'll be guarded. You'll be protected. Um, you'll be peace. That's, that's what we understand. We continue, verse 3 and 4. I'll just read them again in verses Psalm 62 back there. And just a couple more comments. 62, verses 3 and 4. How long will you assail a man that you will make murder him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence. They have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly, inwardly they curse. And so here's this. Here's David, the enemies. And again, David understands they're against him. They're working together. They're trying to conspire against him. They're trying to to, to kill him, that's what we understand. And so David looking to the Lord. And I want to say something, and I'm not, not going to do it now, but some other time, is the application of this psalm, of course, is for our daily lives. There's no doubt about that. But I'm convinced that psalms like this, in the future, when times get really, really tough, and the enemies are really, really after us, we're going to need psalms like this. I mean... 
we, we understand that the whole thing about the mark of the beast in Revelation chapter 13. And the devil through the Antichrist is going to try to foist that upon people. And, and of course, as Christians, we, we can't take that. We won't take that. But the point is going to be very tough. They said you can't buy or sell. And you look now, I'm, I say this because I'm I just, a little segue here. You look at the technology they're, they're making, and it's incredible with this AI and this control. We talked this, about this yesterday at our seminar, the digital currency that will probably start sometime in the next year, two or three. And it all relates <laughs> where they're going to try to control us, whether it relates to a vaccine passport or a travel passport or what you can buy or whatever you can do or all these things. It's, it's happening. So psalms like this are really helpful. This is an important psalm with regard to today and the future. We continue, verses 5 and 6. My soul wait in silence for God only. My hope is from him. He only is my rock, my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. The structure of the psalm is like a poem. A lot of psalms are really poetic, of course. And it repeats itself. It's repeated because you need to keep hearing the truth. You need to keep reminding yourself of the truth. The truth has to be reinforced in your mind. It really does. And you need to have ways to do this. I know for myself, I, I, I try to memorize verses, and I, I'm getting older. It's a little bit harder. I keep got to go back, and okay, let's review that again. There's verse I review in this last year, review and review to get him in my mind. You need to do what you can do to get God's word in you. You need to work at it. Again, it's not just a little 20-minute time of the Lord in the morning. That's sufficient. Don't think that way. You, you do it. You got plenty of time. Get all the time you need to get God's word in you and, and set up a system, if I can say system, in that way that works for you. There's the phrase, wait in silence. And here it does say, wait in silence. Okay. That is, the wait is there in, in the Hebrew. The word waits translated as, or in silence as cease, be still, be silent, be motionless. The idea is that you aren't to trust yourself. You're not to think about what you can do, okay? You need to be looking to God alone, depending on him, trusting him, waiting on him, that as you believe that he's going to come through for you. Again, the idea of trusting God now for something in the future, whether that future is tomorrow or a year from now. Turn to Exodus I think I shared this before. I want you to see it here in the text. Exodus chapter 14, 13 and 14. This is in the context of, of Moses and the Jews trying to get out of Egypt. They're being chased by Pharaoh, by his armies. And this really is applicable to us sometimes. That we're in a situation where there's nothing we can do but trust God. Okay? That, that is the way it happens. And God helps us to know when we need to do something, when we just need to wait. Verses 13 and 14, Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Hang on to that verse 14. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. There are times like that. I know I've had to apply this, Lord. Okay. You take over. I don't know. I can't do anything here. You've got to do it. Okay, and that, that's fine. And God will help you to know when to do that. But verses like that are important. Wait on silence is a, is a key truth here. There's a phrase, my hope. Hope refers to the future, to a good, to a positive, to a blessed future. Uh, you, you, and, we, and we need to have something good to look forward to. We need to. We, we can't live. We can't go on as people and people to the extreme end commit suicide because they have no hope 
and life is worthless. You might look forward to the weekend. You might look forward to get with a friend. You might look forward to a good meal. There's all kinds of good things you can look forward to, and that's fine. That's fine. It's fine to look forward to a meal or getting with somebody. But what's most important, of course, is the hope that comes directly from God. That's what we're talking about here. And you need hope. You've got to have hope. And Christians that don't have hope are discouraged. They're more fearful. And you can see that they're just not doing that good. You need hope because you need to know that life's going to get better. That God's got good things in store for you, no matter how bad it is. The verse you probably know, Jeremiah chapter 29.11, I know the hope I have for you, plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. He knows what he has in store for you. Here you are. You don't know what's going to happen, but you know God does. It's like that song, I know whom I believed. He'll take care of me. He will take care of me. So David is hoping, he's looking forward to God. In this context, look at three things. God being his rock, his salvation, his stronghold, that's what he's saying. And, and again, as, as, as believers, we all have problems, we all have difficulties. We need to know that God's going to come through for us. That's our faith. Trust God to come through for us. He's going to be our rock. He's going to be our salvation. He's going to be our stronghold. Turn to Psalm 27. Again, I'm sure these psalms are familiar to you. Psalm 27. Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the temple, to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble... He will conceal me in his tabernacle, in the secret place of his tent. He will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. Good verses. Again, you can find the Psalms loaded with verses like this. David having problems. David having troubles. No doubt, much, much more than you've ever, ever gone through. But an example, it's good. We can learn from him and trust him in these ways. Now, back to 62. It says um, that he only is my rock, my salvation, verse 6, my stronghold, I shall not be shaken. So this thought, again, is repeated, that with the Lord you won't be shaken or fearful or anxious. And these are strong emotions. We all have these. You probably get something like this every day, maybe a little fear, a little anxiety. I mean, some people are sadly controlled by it, but, but this is very common. And, and God wants to take away your fear. He wants to take away your anxiety. He wants to give you peace. That's what he wants. And it happens then when you realize these things, when you realize and believe that God is your rock, that he is your salvation, that he's your stronghold. Believe in that. It's a a spiritual truth, but it's spiritually true, and it's real. I think of the verse, um, Psalm 34, verse 5. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Maybe it's not five, but anyway, that's the verse. Angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. God uses angels to protect you. God uses the Spirit. God uses sometimes other people. But God will protect you. He will do that. He will shield you. And it's a wonderful truth to know. Psalm 62, verse 7, On God my salvation, my glory rests, the rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. So again, we have God gives us hope that only he is your stronghold, he's your salvation, he's your rock, he's your strength. And we also see here that God is your glory. 
He's my glory. And glory is one of those big words. When you talk about the glory of God, you're talking about all who God is and all that he's like. It's a huge word. And the, and the point is this, is God is our Father, and we are his children, and God gives us some of his glory. Okay, it's not like a permanent thing, but he gives us his glory. We're his children. He loves us. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17 to 18. These, these verses probably as much as any convey this truth about how God wants to give us his glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 17 to 18. Verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces, face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Chapter 4, verse 6 says, for God, who said light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give us the light, the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Christ. And, and so this word glory is a very, very good word. God blesses you in so many ways. Your blessing and the things you need in life come from God. He's my glory, and you worship him, you glorify him, and you thank him that he then makes you glorious as well. And of course... One of the culminating parts of this is when we are glorified, get brand new bodies at the coming of Christ. Back to 62. And it says there in verse um, 7, the word refuge. And the word refuge is a synonym to these other, many of these other words in, in, in Psalm 62. And, and, and the point here is that God is trying to hammer this point home. This point is repeated in so many ways throughout this psalm that are your refuge, your strength, your stronghold, your rock, all these things. Because you need to know this. He is your stronghold. He is your refuge. All this. And he will help you. He will protect you. That's what he will do. We continue on. Verse 8. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for, his, for us. Okay, we talked a lot about what God is. This is a key verse here. Trust in him. Then it says, and pour out your heart to him. Two things. We talk about who God is and what he does. We talk about now what we are to do. Trust and pour out your heart. That's, that's, that's what's said here. So again, God only then is, 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 um, is your hope and your strength, your glory, all these things. And you need to trust him. You need to depend on him. You need to rely on him. You need to look to him for help. For only he then can really help you. Only he can then really protect you. Only God can really shield you from danger. That's the point. We, 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 I was talking to somebody this last week, and he said that their mother, his mother is still alive, his mother is one who uses the avoidance. There's a problem, avoid it. Somehow avoid it. Well, that means don't think about it or do something else or distract yourself. Avoidance. Okay. We shouldn't avoid things. I mean, there's certain things you just shouldn't think about and dwell on, but you, certain problems you've got to face. Okay, and we face them with God. That's the point here. He, he's our strength. He's our shield. He can help us and protect us and all these different things. Shield you from danger, from evil people. It says at all times, trust, very good, trust in him at all times. All times. The point I want to say here, and there are many things I could say, but we live in a spiritual world, a world that's controlled by the devil, 
and we need to trust in the Lord at all times. We need to walk by faith, live by faith, know that we live in enemy territory, and knowing also that devil is one who tempts us. He deceives us. He tries to hurt us. He tries to get us off track. He tries to sideline us. That's what he's trying to do. And it happened this past week for you. I don't think he just took a whole week off from your life. It probably happens about every day. Now, let me, let me say something. I mean, we don't, again, I'm trying to get you folks in the devil. I don't ever want to do that. Story in Luke chapter 4, you know it, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil and went on for 40 days, and it was a pretty difficult time. And at that time, this is what it says. It says the devil, or he, left him until an opportune time. It's instructive. Two main points here is that we're not always affected by the devil. Sometimes you are, sometimes you aren't. And, and I, I can't help but think if you're at least a little bit mature as a Christian, you'll recognize Man, the devil's really trying to get me here. He's really trying to tempt me. This is, a, this is a rough day, a rough night, okay? You know what I'm saying there? You understand, man, this is temptation from the devil, and i got to resist, as it says in James chapter 4, and quote verses and pray, or maybe even call up a friend or whatever, the temptation is that severe. So the first thing is this, is not all the time. The second thing is what the devil looks for is an opportune time. Opportune time, right? That opportune time. Y'all, there's all opportune times. The devil knows your weaknesses. The devil, and oftentimes it's when you're tired. Oftentimes it's when you're alone. Or another one is it, you just something bad happened. It's, it's a hard day or it's rough or difficult or upset or had a trial or somebody got mad at you for whatever reason, and you're more weak then. And the devil tries to keep coming after you. Okay? It's important then for you to understand your own weakness when you're more vulnerable. It's very important. And so being at home at night by yourself alone is one of those times, Okay? Okay, so be diligent. Be diligent. He looks for an opportune time to get you. But, again, God is your protector. Then it says there, verse 8, the second thing, pour out your heart to God. You're to be open with God and tell God what you're thinking. You're not to hold back. You're not to keep things to yourself. If you keep bad things, difficult things, worries, whatever, to yourself, what's going to happen? And not good. As I say in Psalm 94, someplace, these anxious thoughts multiply in my soul. You become a basket case pretty quick. Okay? It's not, not a good thing. We have to learn to pour out our heart to God. This is not one of those, okay, every night at 9 o'clock I'm going to pour out my heart to God. No, this is, this is one of those spontaneous things, okay? That's what y'all understand that. Pour out your heart to God. And the idea of pour out means pour out. Get emotional. Raise your voice. Tell him what you're thinking. Say, man, this is hard, God. I don't like this. Please, please help me. Do something about this. Please, I beg you. Help, help, help. Do it. Pour out your heart to God. That's what you need to do, and he will help you. That's what he will do. Okay? So the point is this. Is, 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 is people, we can tend to want to talk to others or text others or phone. I've mean, I got to tell somebody. This is something. I've got to call them right away. Don't do that. Don't do that. You first call to God. You first trust him. That's what you do. You learn to do that. That's got to be your mode of operation. Go to him first. That's what God wants. Okay. I'm not saying you can't talk to others, and there has to be that, because if you're the kind of person who's always a loner and never talks to that's not good either. Whether it's people in the church or a friend long distance here or there, whatever, one of us pastors, that's fine. We need one another. Okay. But I'm emphasizing the importance of you and God first, if you need more help, more advice, more whatever, 
talk to somebody. Be humble. Ask for help. That's, that's, that's an important thing that you do that. And so anyway, pouring out your heart then, the connection between trust and pour out, is related to faith. It's not just pour out your heart. It's pour out your heart trusting in him, believing that he's going to help you. It'll take care of your problems some way or another, sooner or later. Okay, that's the idea. You've got to put them together. You can easily pour out your heart. But are you trusting God? Are you believing the truths in this psalm here that he then will help you and take care of you? Turn to Psalm 55. You, I believe, know these verses. Psalm 55, verses 16 to 22. As for me, I shall call upon God, and the Lord will save me evening and morning, and at noon I will complain and murmur, and he will hear my voice. He will redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me, for there are many who strive with me. God will hear and answer them, even the one who sits enthroned from of old, with whom there is no change, and who do not fear God. He has put forth his hands against those who are at peace with him. He has violated his covenant. His speech was smoother than butter. But his heart was war, his words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. So that's an example there of pouring out your heart. There's many others in the Psalms you could read. Back to Psalm 62, verses 9 and 10. Men of low degree are only vanity, and men of rank are a lie, and the balances they go up together are together lighter than breath. The idea is simple. Two kinds of unbelievers. The rich and the poor, or the powerful and the weak, however you want, basically two kinds, okay, that category. And, and what he says is that they're really nothing. These, uh, these unbelievers who are again, you're nothing. Lighter than breath or lighter than air. I mean, air has weight, right? Not much. Lighter than air, nothing to them. The point is that you're not to, not to trust in them. You're not to look to them. You're to trust in the Lord alone. Then we read about oppression and robbery. Uh, don't trust in oppression. Don't vainly hope in robbery. And this talking about the unbelievers again. We know unbelievers are ones who then who, you know, they steal. They take what is not theirs, you know. And, and you know about this. You read about the politics. This happens in individuals, but, you know, you look at the big scope. There's the politicians. They're stealing. They're taking from people what's not theirs. You use it from themselves. Then you got the businesses do the same thing, you know, skimming the money away from people. We understand that. But don't worry about it. Trust God. He'll help you. Point is, don't be like them. And don't trust in money at all, which is not the root of all evil, as some wrongly say. It's the root of all sorts of evil. Loving money can cause lots of different kinds of problems. Not all problems, but cause a lot. So trust in God. That's why I just heard the other day, was it 19... I don't know, early 50s or something, when they put the in God we trust on the money. That's pretty good. You got money, but don't trust the money. In God we trust. <laughs> That's a good, good reminder. Always look to the Lord, trust him, know that he'll take care of you, he'll protect you, he'll provide you. And even the verse, you know, the Psalm, Matthew 6 verse, it says, give us this day our daily bread, everything. We come to the conclusion, verses 11 and 12, once God has spoken twice, I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and loving kindness is yours, O Lord, for you recompense man according to his work. Two, well, three themes here. But the first two aspects of God's character, we read about his power and then about his love. God is powerful. 
He's supremely strong, infinitely stronger than any angel, any other being, any and the devil or any demon or any other person, infinitely strong. And because God is strong then, he can be your strength. He can be your salvation. He can be your rock, your refuge, your hope, and your glory. He can. That is, he has the ability. And it says God is loving. Because God is loving, and God is supremely loving, then he will, he will be your salvation, your strength, your rock, your refuge, your hope, your glory. So the two points are this. When you think about your going through life, there's two things about God that you have to remember always in terms of his working towards you. He's powerful and he's loving. He has powerful that he can do what he needs to do for you and, and, and loving that he will. He has both the ability and has the desire. God is loving and God is powerful. That's, that's what these verses say. Very, very important. Always just remember that. Psalm 59, we sing these song, verses. These are good ones. It just repeats what I just said. As for me, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning. You've been my stronghold, the refuge in the day of my distress. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you, for God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. That's it. Two points to remember. God is my strength, and he loves me. One more thing, the last phrase of Psalm 62. You recompense a man according to his work. You know what the word recompense means? It means to repay. Or can be defined as reward. We talked about rewards before. This is a reward verse. You live for me. You love me. You do the things in this psalm here. I'll repay you. I'll reward you. I want to reward you. Now, to some degree in this life, but for sure in the future. Okay? That's all. This is a motivation. Motivation. And people who say they don't care about rewards aren't thinking right. They really aren't. They aren't realizing that the rewards you receive relate to your obedience for God. Well, I don't want rewards. Well, are you obeying God? Because the more you obey God, you're more rewarded. They're directly connected. You can't say, I don't want them. I want rewards because if I'm getting rewarded, that means I'm obeying God. And so I'm going to obey God. Not that I have to get rewarded, but he's going to reward me. He wants to bless me for all eternity. So important to understand that. The verse you know, Revelation 22, 12, Behold, he is coming soon. My reward is with him, and he will give to everyone according to what he has done. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We bless you for just being here with us and loving us and leading us, giving us your truth. Lord, so powerful, so wonderful, all these thoughts here, and, and really so applicable to our lives. Talking about our being our rock and our strength, Lord, all these things. One who's our refuge and our glory, our hope. We, we thank you for this, Father. You're so amazing the, the the life we have we don't always feel like it and we, you know but we need to walk by faith not go by how we feel not go by our circumstance not go by the trials we had this week rather trust you what your word says this gives us hope should encourage our heart and that's what we want to so lead us i pray for each person here lord that you'd help them individually where they're at help them lord with whatever your spirit put on their heart to remember for today help them not to forget it because i know what the devil wants he wants to steal the word away from our heart mark chapter four let that not happen, Father. So help them to review what's important, what you know is important for them. And it changes their life. We pray for that. Pray for their families, God. Pray for this entire church. Use us as you would desire, Lord. Pray for Bethel. Thank you for them. And pray for Raphael, all their people, that you would lead them and bless them in, in the ways that you have for them as well. But thank you again for this church. Just guide us through your word, through your spirit, for your purposes and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.